Welcome to the Yang Gang Roundtable. It's 4.15 p.m. Sunday, August 2nd. We are fortunate enough to have Major Richard Ojeda here. Major, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm hearing some external audio. Is somebody using Can people please mute when someone's talking? All right, someone, yeah, someone's using it. Thank you. That'll do it. If, so if you're using external monitors, external uh, speakers, you're going to get bleed through here on Zoom. So please, if at all possible, use headphones. Um, so that being said, welcome to the show. We are a basic income advocacy podcast, uh, producing three or four episodes per weekend because we are all extremely passionate about basic income, even though we're from all over the political spectrum. Liberals, conservatives, people who are neither liberal nor conservative. People from all walks of life. Anyway, this is a long introduction for my show. All states. I, you know, you get a little, you get a little, a little butterflies. You have a big guest like Richard Ojeda here. So, uh, welcome. Very happy to have you. Um, everyone pretty much knows the deal. We're an open discussion on poverty, basic income, and electoral politics. So, um, that being said, uh, who would like to uh, open the discussion with um, with a question for Richard Ojeda on those topics? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, sure. Um, Richard, like you put on your Facebook about, you know, these unemployment benefits expiring. And for some people, that's exactly today. So then should we transition from these unemployment benefits to a basic income? Like what, what do we have to do to convince these lunatics that they shouldn't be cutting off you know, millions of Americans from like their one source of, you know, um, uh, help. It's crazy. Okay. Can everybody hear me? Yes. Yes, we can. Okay. Look, you know what? This is going to blow up in people's face. You know, uh, you know, every single Republican president all the way back to Ronald Reagan has always pushed a trickle down economics which has been proven to be nothing more than a free cash grab for the rich because they don't create jobs with the money. They stick in offshore accounts and shoving mattresses. You know, universal basic income or the freedom dividend by Andrew Yang is basically trickle up, up economics and it can work. Uh, you know, a thousand dollars a month, it, you know, may not seem like a lot, but to some folks out there, I mean, it's life and death. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's absolutely something that can work. Uh, and Andrew Yang has proven that it can work. We just have to allow our government, uh, to, 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 to not be so damn greedy, uh, which is where we're at right now. You know, I, I, I'm actually in the, in the middle of writing a book and the book is called, we are worthy the fight for the forgotten. And each chapter is a different group of people in America that have been forgotten. Veterans, the elderly, the disabled, the uh, addicted. Uh, and the truth is, is that, you know, I also implement the freedom dividend into each chapter because it talks about how $1,000 a month can absolutely help these folks out there that are struggling. You know, it, it, it's something that absolutely our government needs to step up and do. But once again, I think that what's going to happen is, is we're going to have to crash before somebody finally gets their heads out of their asses and tries something like a trickle up economics freedom dividend. Well, with that, it's like all these people are kind of stuck in almost a purgatory, right? They're just like, 
you know, lost in all the pain and chaos that's entered their lives. But a lot of people haven't even entered a point in their life where it's like, um, it even matters. They've never had any kind of um, uh, big defining moment until recently. But you're, you're absolutely right. You know, the person that is actually working with me uh, on this book, it, she's in that boat. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm retired military. Uh, you know, I, I've got my retirement coming in and things of that nature. But, you know, I work with people all the time that are in this situation. And as of today, she's now living on $100 a week. And, you know, that is absolutely, uh, she's not going to be able to survive. Uh, and, 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 you know, right now she, like many others are basically looking towards our government to, to bring some type of opportunity so that they're not going to friggin' starve. They're not going to get evicted. They're going to be able to put food on the table. But right now it looks like we've got people in Washington, DC that, uh, are playing games with, with people's livelihoods. Uh, and, and, and I'm telling you, I think that if something isn't done very soon, especially now that everyone has been cut off, we're going to see some real issues in this country really fast. Uh, how long would you think, that, or I should say not so much how long, what do you think it would take more than what we're already going through to get them to that point? Because it feels like we should have been there already by a lot of accounts. Uh, you're absolutely right. You know, I, I really don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking to myself that, you know, you're talking about the, the Republican Party and they are in power. They are in power in the Senate. Uh, and I, I really believe that if they really thought about saving their their existence, they would be doing everything in their power to try to help people that are struggling. And right now we're watching people not do anything. I mean, you know, it's, a, it's like they're, they're literally trying to take this opportunity to tank everything that we have, Social Security. They're just trying to tank it. And I don't understand where their mentality is coming from because the truth is, is that if they tank it, it's going to be on them. I mean, do they want their party to completely be destroyed because of what they're doing? And I'm sitting here thinking, apparently they do. I don't understand it. There's a Maybe. lot of senses in which I think they felt like they were already going downhill before this. I read a lot of articles about some freakouts they were having in 2016 about the direction of the youth and the vote there. So maybe they just feel like if they don't lean into it, they've got no chance anyways. I don't know. So, so, so basically, let's let Social Security lapse and then, you know, and then what? You know, I mean, it, to me, the only people that are thriving in this country, there is no there, middle class has absolutely been under attack for quite some time. I mean, we're going to get really soon to the point where we either have the filthy rich and the dirt poor. And I've said this many times when that happens, the dirt poor will eat the filthy rich. Uh, and, and, and I think that they're going to really, they're going to tap dance really close on that fine line. 
and you know, I don't know. I I, I just I, I don't know. I, it, it it's scary when you realize that we've got leaders in Washington D.C. that care so little about the average citizen out there. You know, we Richard. Yeah, like it it yeah. boggles my mind. Like you fought for this country, but I mean, you didn't fight for it for everybody to be dirt poor and just a few people at the top. I mean, what what do your military buddies? think of this because it looks like like we need to be economically liberated from this stupidity that we're facing right now yeah i i will tell you that senior leadership in the military are walking on eggshells you know i i have no fear uh, about the military doing what is right I, i have no fear with it when it comes to that but right now you know you have senior leadership in the military that are probably scared to death that they're going to get that phone call to serve, uh, you know, on, on this administration. And to me, that's a, that's a career ender for sure. Uh, but you know, I, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I, I don't think you can really put it into words. Uh, you know, I mean, the military, you know, when you run and you serve in the military and you retire, you get, you know, you get your retirement benefits, your medicals taken care of. But make no mistake about it, you know, veterans struggle too. Uh, but you know, nowhere near what we have people today going through in this country. I just don't understand how many people out there can still be waving Trump flags, uh, can still be, uh, you know, big supporters. Because what I see is, you know, everything is absolutely crumbling. Uh, and, and, and I don't know, I don't know what the fix is right now. All I know is that we've got a lot of people in this country that are getting angry and, and it's a powder keg and it's going to explode pretty soon. And it doesn't seem like the senior leadership in this country, the GOP leadership gives two shits about it. I mean, we think the fix is, is space can't come in. Thank you. I mean, thank you for that. For well, your uh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, uh, look, look, UBI, that's what we think. UBI is something that absolutely could help this country. Right now, when we're going through a global pandemic, if they just initiated UBI now, I can guarantee you by the time this global pandemic is over, they would see the other benefits, the, the booming of the economy. You know, I take, I look at myself, I'm, I live in Logan County, West Virginia. There's 32,000 adults. If you infused 32,000 $1,000 checks into this community, you know, the mom and pop stores would come back. The stores would boom. People would be able to fix their cars. They would be able to go after their debt. There's so much that they could do. But I believe that if they initiated UBI for six months, at the end of six months, they would say, uh, yeah, we want to keep this because of what it does for our economy. Yeah, Richard, I also want to say, like, based, you know, going off of, you know, the, the talk about <laughs> UBI and stuff, I'm, not- I'm, I'm noticing that um, we, like, uh, our society has, like, a habit of procrastinating, and especially on things like UBI, because, like, when Andrew Yang was running on it, um, no one didn't want to take a chance with him and they just blew him off and stuff. But then after, after he dropped out and then this pandemic hit, then all, all of a sudden um, it, UBI started gaining traction and being like mainstream where people were going, yeah, we should get money in our hands, especially when that, that stimulus check came. Um, 
but uh, what was it to say? Um, oh, damn it. Um, Here's the key with what you just said. You know, when Andrew Yang was running and he was talking UBI, those people that were also running for office, they, what, they didn't want to give Andrew Yang oxygen because they knew that Andrew Yang was picking up a lot of momentum. When Andrew Yang dropped out of the race, now it's okay for people to speak about it. Yeah. But they wasn't going to continue speaking about it when he was in the running because the last thing they wanted to do is say, well, guys, Andrew Yang is right. That's the problem with politics in this country. The people in, the, in politics in this country wouldn't have a problem watching everybody starve to death as long as you know they could make sure that their opponent didn't get any oxygen. And that's just how it is, and it's a sad place to be. And, oh, by the way, remember, the Democrats weren't speaking about it. You know, yeah. it, 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 it has nothing to do with party. Well, so why, why is it like that? It's like, I'm like, what's, what's like, where did it originate from? Where's like all this, like this, this negligence and, and just lack of. You, know, you, you, you got to understand politics. Contempt for the Let me poor. tell you something. Contempt for the poor and the middle class being sold a bill of goods starting in the late 1970s. That uh, is. Yep. Programs were cut that helped the poor and traditionally marginalized and discriminated groups that it would be a better deal for them, that the poor were a drag on them, that that's why they didn't have the good life. And that if let, let me, they, they cut these programs for the poor and stopped supporting programs that helped the poor get jobs and all that, that they would too get to join the uh, 1% club or whatever and get to become rich. And they swallowed it. to be the opposite. For 40. Well, yeah, but you're right. You're right. But here's what you've got to understand. In terms of politics and politicians, you know, when I retired from the military and I come home, yeah. you know, I, I, I had no desire to get into politics. I'd never in my life met a politician that if I shook his hand, I didn't want to immediately purel up immediately following, you know, <laughs> but the problem yeah. with politics is that even though they may even be in your own party, if they don't get, if some of them don't get top credits, then they don't want to play. And I'm going to tell you, you know, uh, I pushed medical cannabis in West Virginia, and I made West Virginia the 29th state for medical cannabis. But let me tell you something. Nobody, even on my side, wanted to even step up with me until it got momentum from the people. They looked at me and told me, don't even, don't you dare try to bring medical cannabis into this state. You know, and I'm like, well, screw you. You can kiss my ass. I got 22 people committing suicide every day in the military due to PTSD, and I know cannabis can help. But no. it, it wasn't until people started figuring that they could get some, 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 also some taps on the back, then they got involved. This bullshit. Well, I'm, I'm just going to tell you what I've observed as somebody who's experienced life as a member of one of the poorest and most marginalized groups there is, a group that has an 80% uh, homelessness rate and a 90% unemployment rate. And that's a group of poor um, female human trafficking survivors. Okay. And up until only recently when people like us were found chopped up and stuffed in dumpsters, it was unofficial policy to write no human involved on the police report. But when you have a society that is cool with that and says that the gutter in an early grave is the only place that poor women deserve to have, do you think there's an, a, an adequate floor to bolster everybody else? No, there's not. What I seen and what I lived 
okay, is as somebody from generational poverty who never had health benefits until Obamacare and the Medicaid expansion, okay, who was shut out of jobs my entire life because of being the victim of a crime, mind you. What I've seen and what I've observed is that this country is full-on craptastic assholianism. Full stop. You know, you cannot sit there and say, why is our system messed up when at the same time you're saying, well, there's an entire group of people that don't even deserve to have basic human rights. Screw them. Yeah. Prostitution is the only thing they, they're, they're good for. They deserve. Uh, you can't get a job. You, don't, you can't um, get an equal chance because of systemic discrimination. Tough shit. Quit your whining. This is, this is our culture, people. <laughs> America is not nice. Americans are not nice. We need to own up to that fact. We are not nice people. We do not have a great country. We live in a sepulcher that is decaying and dying within from its own craptastic assholianism. Considering Um, uh, that some very few countries in the world have the universal basic income yet, I think uh, we're not really, uh, we're not unique in in having some of those same problems everywhere. I just watched a, um, an, like a uh, Chinese, uh, completely in Chinese, kind of like a TED Talk, the same type of thing, but in China, um, about somebody who has been doing research on, uh, you know, like uh, what they call the, um, I guess, like prostitution for the, last, um, for the last 20 years. And I felt that something that was missing from all of this research for 20 years of research is that universal basic income, which... You know, that's how you know the difference between somebody who's doing something as a profession that loves it and somebody who's doing something because they're forced to do it. And you'll never know that unless we respect everybody's rights. You know, we have to respect people's human rights to just uh, have enough to, uh, to to say no to something that oh, we don't. I definitely agree, Faye, and that's, that's what I've been saying for, for over a decade. Um, but the thing is, you know what I get met with when I say that? I'll use this for a handout. Oh, you just get a work. job. Yeah. There's a toxic um, narrative God, governing our country. So much. You know, it's and, like and let's ignore all these systemic injustices and pretend that they don't exist because maybe, maybe if we do like they did in the old nuclear bomb drills on TV from the 1950s, if we all just duck under the picnic blanket, we should bring more awareness. You know. hurt us. <laughs> I, let me say something slightly well, positive here, though. I'm, I'm. I'm happy to be part of the vein running through the rock trying to spread gold to the rest of the nation as opposed to being one of the people trying to crush. So thank you, guys. Let me tell you you, one of the issues that we have. And, you know, I spent 24 years in the military. And, you know, it drives me crazy when I see these people out there with – look, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a patriotic person. You know, but I, I, I am at least smart enough to realize that we're not the greatest country. The only thing that we're the best at is we can kick everybody else's ass, that we spend more money on, 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 on our military. You know, we have a serious problem in this country, uh, but yet, you know, other countries can offer things that this country doesn't want to, that this country's leadership doesn't want to. You know, uh, if you look at the, the life expectancy, if you look at the, the rates of happiness in places like Sweden and Denmark and Finland, you know, I mean, these are countries that, oh, by the way, tax the shit out of their citizens, but their citizens are okay with it because they get the best 
uh, 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 transportation capabilities in the world, free college, free health care. You know, I just, it, it amazes me how everybody's real quick to scream, we're the best, we're the best, but we don't do shit for our people. And yeah, we got no, people you're right. struggling right now. And nobody's doing, nobody in Washington, D.C., right now, the only thing that you're seeing when we are cutting people off from the only bit of, 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 of income that they have, and you've got Mitch McConnell basically now saying, well, the only way we're going to fix anything is if we kill Social Security and Medicare. And these are people that will never need any of those benefits. You know, sometimes I wish we would just go ahead and eat the freaking rich. Well, here, here's the thing, is that everybody's focusing on the people that just lost benefits, but there have been long-term unemployed people that were pushed out of the economy before COVID that have been completely ignored, that are getting fuck all, that are, excuse my language, nothing, who are getting nothing. And as a group, that's a large group, and they're being completely ignored. Everybody is ignoring them, right? And it's... You know, this is this happened before. This happened in 2008. And it was like very briefly, very briefly, there was scant attention to those pushed out of the economy permanently, largely due to age discrimination. Um, after they had lost everything, they were called the 99ers. Their unemployment benefits ran out, and they were never reabsorbed back in the economy. And when the, the jobs started to pick up again, they were different kind of jobs. They were new jobs. They were tech jobs. And guess who was not hired? People age 40 and over, especially people age 40 and over who didn't live in, in the big coastal cities, okay? So in the interim, the people that got pushed out were ignored and written off as, well, if you can't get a job, it's, it's your fault. You're a loser. The economy's doing fine. There's all these, you know, the unemployment rate is down to 2%. Well, nobody ever wanted to have an honest conversation <coughs> about all the people that have been permanently pushed out and this country and the people in it, because it's not just the system. It's everybody. It's the public. It's the media does not want to have that honest conversation. You know what we need? We need a national come to Jesus meeting about this, about poverty and about who, who got chances and who gets chances and who does not. I think that's what we're doing right here, Jacqueline. Yeah. (laughs) This is what we need to take to Washington. We need to get ourselves you know, right in front of that, excuse my French, to cop a, to, to cop a quote from a, a YouTube comedian, Vic DiBedetto, we need to get our mugs right in front of that Kentucky Fried Taint, <laughs> Mitch McConnell, and make him understand that you can't punish people out of poverty. You can't starve people into getting jobs that no employer is willing to hire them for. Or that let me tell you, let, 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 me, let me jump in here real quick. Because you're absolutely right, you're spot on. But you know, I have to also say that you know I come from a state that has very little opportunities. But unions have been a big force in my state. You know, it was the Battle of Blair Mountain in my hometown right here uh, that led to this state being able to unionize. They dropped bombs on our people here in my hometown. Yep, in uh, 1923, but here's Warren problem. Harding. Here's, but here's the problem. You know, we've got people in this country that are absolutely, they couldn't, you know, this, this is what kills me. There's, there's rich people in this country that can literally end world hunger themselves. That could be their legacy, but they're not going to do it. 
because to them, they could give two shits about that. It's all about how much more money that they can rake in. But here's the problem. Unions, who normally were the ones that stood up and fought for the working class citizens, the problems that we're seeing now in West Virginia and probably across this country is that union leadership has been sabotaged. The people at the top in unions are absolutely no different than any other crook in Washington, D.C. They will absolutely sell out the friggin' person that's fighting to help the poor guy and the poor girl out there if it best suits them. And I'm telling you, I mean, there, you know, there was a time when we probably could have an opportunity to have people in this country that are struggling be able to, to, to have a voice. But right now, I don't know where that's going to come from. It's going to have to come from somebody special that's going to come out of nowhere. Because, right. you know, like where I come from, I mean, they sold me out. I, have, I had a 100% voting record for unions. And the unions in my state are endorsing Republicans. And, you know, they, it's over with. It's over with. You know, I, I don't know where we're going to get the people out there that's going to stand and fight for the, the less fortunate until we probably have friggin' people running with friggin' torches in the streets to burn it all down. And maybe that's what needs to happen. That's unfortunately what seems to be happening in some places. <laughs> let's, let's bring Zach in because Zach has yeah. a question. He's Sir, I'd like to ask, first of all, thank you for your service. Uh, but I'd like to ask, when did you first hear about universal basic income, and were you on board with it right away, or did it take a little bit while, a while for it to seep in? Um, how did you get behind UBI? No, you know, actually, Andrew Yang talking about UBI is what really made me go, hey, wow, that sounds pretty good. Uh, you know, I mean, you can do research and go all the way back to, you know, a, a universal basic income concept come out with uh, with uh, 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 President Nixon. But Thomas Paine. Andrew, what? Thomas Paine, one of the founders of the country. Before well, that, there you go. I mean, go back I a mean, couple centuries. St. Thomas More. Well, I mean, and that's great. But the thing about it is, is it's never, nobody's really, truly, as far as I'm concerned, until Andrew Yang started really speaking about it. And then to me, I mean, I'm like, why not? You know, I know that friggin' for decades, they pushed this trickle down economics. And it's always been said, guys, it doesn't work. But they push it. Donald Trump pushes it. The, it become the largest tax grab in the history of this country. You know, and we know it doesn't work, but that's what the Republicans do. But now we got a person that was talking about, hey, let's do something for the common person. You don't have to be an, a, a, a freaking economist to realize if you give people a thousand dollars a month that live in your community, they're not going to run and throw it in the freaking stock market. Ninety-five percent of the people around here, where I come from, don't know nothing about the stock market. But if you give them a thousand dollars, they're going to get new tires for their vehicle. They're going to pay down some debt. They're going to buy their kids nicer school clothes. Those are the kind of things people are going to do. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that if you own a store and you sell shoes, people are going to buy shoes, and you're going to benefit trickle up economics but nobody wants to push trickle up economics because 
the people that give a shit or, or no, don't give a shit, the people that don't give a shit know that if they just keep electing Republicans, every single time we have a Republican president, they're going to try it again. Look at what's happened. The people in this country, the average working class citizen is poorer. But yet the act, the CEO of every friggin' corporation out there has his his wealth has quadrupled. Shit's got to stop. I have, I have an interesting analogy to to follow up with that. Okay, so let's say there's no food in the house. You're starving, and like there's and there's there's nothing to like to feed on, and you're and there's no food for about like a week or so. If you if you go starving, if you go hungry for about about a week or maybe like two weeks or so and then like the next the next week or whatever you finally manage to get some food in the house most likely you're going to binge you're not going to be like managing like what you eat or whatever but if you already have a sufficient amount of of food to consume or whatever um then you'll you'll have you'll be most likely to be more inclined to like, you know, manage what you eat and stuff. It's just, it's the same with like, uh, with like giving, giving people money. It's like, if you, if they, you get them no money and like no sort of resources, what they're going to do is they're going to loot. They're going to, um, they're, they're going to like, uh, uh, you know, it, once you do give them money, like they're going to, to like spend it on unnecessary things like new, new pair of, new pair of shoes or whatever, anything like that. But if you out give them money on a monthly basis, yeah, they'll be more they'll be more inclined to to like save, to like invest and spend it on things that actually matter. But if you don't give it to them like right away or whatever, it's just it, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be chaos. So I'm just saying it's like that's it it has, it has to be done. Well, I, I I look at it like this. I look at it like this. You know, if uh you're going hungry you're going to eat. And if you got to go out and take it from somebody, then you're going to eat. And that's what these people at the top need to understand. They need to understand that if they can't find the balance, I got it. You know, you want to be rich. Okay, that's great. This is America. You can be rich. But you better believe that there better be a balance and they better find one soon. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm going hungry. If my kids are going hungry, I'm going to eat. And I'm going to get yeah. to my family. And if I got to take, I'm going to take. And I'm going to tell you, these people better understand, when I say the poor will eat the rich, that'll happen. Mr. Ojeda, that's what I can kind of think of as being uh, anarchy. When we talk about anarchy, it's like the autonomous systems of your body where, you know, you could, your brain can tell you, the brain is the government, it's telling you don't breathe or don't eat or something. But at some point, that um, that will to live is going to come up, and that's like a lot to me. Seems to me like anarchy, where where you know you don't need any rules, but people are going to find a way. So, Faye, do you, you have another if, question? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just wanted to say that if if I'm if my kids are starving, I will eat you. Faye, did you have so, a question for? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm just going to make a comment and then I'll get into my uh, question that I was going to ask. Uh, so, yeah, my trailer uh, that was attached to my truck was stolen. I mean, it wasn't stolen from the truck itself. It was unattached, but it was stolen recently because, you know, like as time goes on, uh, people are going to get a little more desperate and grab things, you know, even though I, I'm a, a nomadic activist. So I travel. I like everything I own is within my truck and my trailer in a storage unit. Okay, so like 
them taking for me makes me that I can manage. I have a good social network, but not everyone does, right? Um, but anyway, uh, I actually wanted to um, ask a different kind of question. Um, so uh, now that you've dropped out, um, what kind of things, uh, like I, I recognize you're writing this book, but like what kind of things do you think um, other people who ran who dropped out, uh, how could they possibly um, help others activate or be leaders in small movements or like how, how do you think we could better utilize these passionate individuals? Uh, you know, I think it's 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 getting involved. You know, you know, I dropped out of the race quite early. Uh, I realized that the media wasn't going to give me a shot. Uh, I mean, I was on the Morning Joe, Meet the Press, State of the Union, Van Jones. I was on all these shows, and it wasn't until I dropped out of the presidential race that Chuck Todd, for the first time, said presidential candidate Richard Ojeda. Uh, but, you know, let me tell you something. I like to get involved. I stay involved. I speak out. Uh, if I support somebody, I support them openly, and I don't care about it. Uh, but, like, you know, I actually jumped on board with No Dim Left Behind, uh, which, of course, now we know that uh, Andrew Yang is going to uh, host the live town hall in the end of this month in, in August. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's getting involved. Uh, you know, I'm out there working with an organization that goes into red rural districts and tries to daggone win and flip seats blue. And, you know, it may take us two or three different elections before we're successful. But the truth is, if nobody's willing to go into those areas, then they'll never flip. So, you know, we've got some really good candidates uh, running in red rural areas, and we believe we may actually flip some seats blue. Uh, you got to stay active. You know, if you believe in something, you know, I, I would have loved nothing more than to be able to put blinders up and not deal with politics at all. You know, the moment that I really sat down and got really into politics, I realized that there's nothing on this earth ever going to take this off of my mind. I'm going to have to be in this fight for the rest of my life. Uh, and you have to be. That's just what you got to do. Uh, you know, I mean, all I can say is you got to stay active and do whatever you can. Even if it's on the local level, you got to participate, local, state, and national. And and I think, like, I, I don't know, but, but, but we have this whole, like, a media industrial complex that always wants to go after the most sensationalist bullshit yeah. nonsense instead of paying attention to what's actually important. Oh, and, and it amazes me, like, we have to call out this uh, a goldfish attention span culture that's always wanting us to think in the short term instead of the long term. Yeah. You know, another thing is the news media. You know, sadly, I mean, what, what happened to the news? I mean, I mean, it's like literally, I mean, one side pushes this issue, the other side pushes this issue, and nobody's really just given the news uh i mean it's a shame it seems like everybody's got their own agenda uh but i mean goodness i'll tell you right now i i hope that when this is over with i'd love nothing more than to see sean hannity and those assholes face charges for some of the garbage that they push yeah the i get the news here out. is the thing i get the news by literally talking to people on the weekend doing doing this show yeah and i don't know how people get it you know, it's yeah, crazy. The, the, the mainstream media has been made unreliable since and this happened during the Reagan administration. Um, 
where we used to actually have public grants that were, you know, that you, you could be a citizen journalist and get paid to write or, you know, because back then that's what we did was write. Um, we didn't have internet yet. Uh, and, you know, and you had news. Then with corporate consolidation and with, you know, what, what I call the neoliberal machinery, and that's not to be confused with political party. Neoliberalism is an economic framework. It is political party agnostic. But basically with, with, neo, with 45 years of neoliberal policies that consolidated corporate power, okay, you had all these small, tiny, independent, you know, even like the, the small town rural newspapers got eaten up by these big fish, by the, you know, uh, that got eaten up by even yet bigger fish. So now you've got like, what, two or three major news outlets that control all the news throughout the country. You know, this is why. This is why. But you have to go back and look at what happened from the late 1970s on. You know? Well, you, you, also, you also have to understand that look at the newspapers. You know, I, in my hometown, now the newspaper is literally two pages, and it's nothing but, but it's, it's no different than, than sharing. It's just it's, it's copies of things, you know, in, in the major news. It's nothing local, nothing at all. There's nothing at all about local news in, in, in the local papers these days. Yeah, and the, right. truth, the truth about poverty was swept under the rug and deliberately disappeared. The, the poorest of the poor were literally disappeared from the public square. And to make sure that they were unseen as well as unheard, poverty and homelessness was criminalized. Okay. Can I also add something to this, though? Like, honestly, I have been, like talking to a lot of people like uh as a traveler i just get like really in-depth conversations but with the homeless people and i can't tell you how many of these people are whistleblowers who just now are homeless you know like these people are um part of they remove themselves from gangs they they have been like like removed from the world because they wanted to say something Right. And like, if you look into other countries, I mean, people are living in sewers and they're doing um, ethnic cleansing where they just kill these people. You know, they light them on fire sometimes. Okay. And we probably have people living in tunnels in our own cities, you know, because they're hiding. Right. And, and like they're looked at as if they're not human, but they're human and they should have a voice and they should have a decent living situation. We're not fearing for their lives every day because then you're just running. Well, let me tell you, but here's something you got to understand, too. You know, it's like felons, you know, the right to vote. Do you, you know, it's like it's like if, if, if you do the crime, you do the time. But when you're done doing the time, you should automatically have your voting rights back, because if they did. Make no mistake about it, these politicians would look at the people getting out of prison in a different light because those people could help them or put them out of a damn job. You know, the same thing with people that are homeless. I know it's very, very hard, but, you know, we got to figure out how we can get these people to make sure they're registered to vote and make sure that they actually vote. Because if that's the case and you've got millions of people across this country that are homeless, if if these politicians knew that the millions of people across this country that are homeless was able to vote, then they would push legislation helping the people that are homeless in this country. 
That's the biggest problem that we have is that if people, if politicians don't think you're going to get off your ass and actually go to vote, they will flush you in a heartbeat. Well, a vote is not sufficient because you also need the finances, the ability to actually get to utilize that vote because you, you know, you need your trans, you need money for transportation. You need money to get your ID. You need money to hold on to like a piece of mail to get a piece of mail somewhere. So um, just like the vote isn't, we have a very strong focus on the vote, but not enough focus on, you know, the money aspect. And uh, I know that Jeremy is here and he would, he is your biggest fan, Mr. Ojeda. Jeremy Sammons uh, would like to ask you a question also. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, back in 2016, an attempt was made on your life by an absolute coward. I'm just uh, yep. hoping you can uh, speak more about what happened in that situation and uh, what was the motivation behind it. Okay, I'm glad I'm glad you asked that because the truth is, is I really wish that this was national because of what was done. You know, first off, I ran against the guy that was a 36-year politician who ran my hometown with an iron fist. I mean, I'm telling you right now, you didn't cross this guy because if you did, then, you know, you could find yourself in a world of shit. I challenged him. And two days before the race, uh, you know, I'm not saying that he was responsible for my attack. I'm not saying that. But the people who wanted him to win were responsible for that attack. And two days before I won that seat, uh, I was lured away from a, a political gathering to put bumper stickers on a guy's vehicle. And what he did was when I leaned down to put one on, he hit me in the back of the head with a pipe, rolled me over when I was unconscious and broke eight bones in my face with brass knuckles. Now, here's the downside to that. As soon as it happened, one certain group of police tried to come in and take over. And my wife was smart enough to call a lawyer that we know. And he said, stop, don't say nothing to them. We've got to call the federal uh, uh, law enforcement in on this and state troopers. And then finally they come in. Well, what happened was, was the prosecuting attorney and all of them, I believe every single one of them had something to do with all of this. Because what they did in my absence was they ran real quick and they wrote up a bullshit plea deal that basically said that I got into a fist fight and got knocked out which reduced that guy from 30 years to five years right off the bat. Uh, he ended up not doing six months, and he didn't even do it. He did it in a nonviolent facility. And that was because they knew that if he faced the years that he was supposed to get, that he would roll and tell on who put him up to it. So they did everything in their power to make sure that he got a slap on the wrist. I literally accidentally almost bumped into this guy in Walmart not even six months after they took him away in handcuffs. And I was literally like, what the hell? You know, that's the kind of stuff that goes on. Uh, and, and, you know, my medical records, when I ran for Congress, my medical records were stolen from the Veterans Administration, and they were posted on friggin' line on Facebook. And do you know that the investigators for the VA told me this was the worst case they had ever seen? But yet... The VA refuses to give me the investigation. And the reason why the VA refuses to give me the investigation is we believe it goes all the way to the top. They knew, they knew that if this got out, it would destroy the Republican Party in West Virginia because every damn one of them were involved in it. The Repu Republican senators were the ones who shared it on Facebook, and we knew it. 
but I got no justice at all. It's, I've never in my life been done. Nobody's ever been done as dirty as Richard Ojeda has been done wow. in terms of West Virginia, which is why now I just bought land in North Carolina and I'm going to leave this place. I just ran for U.S. Senate in West Virginia. And, you know, union leadership have resigned because of what they did to me. Uh, and that's how it is. West Virginia, you know, the unions who, who usually stood up for the working class, they're, they're, they're jumping in and making deals with the Republicans. You know, it's, it's, it's horrible what they did to me. Uh, it's crap. horrible what the prosecuting attorney did to me. And yet I have never been able to get justice. The guy who stole my medical records from the VA, he was given six months and two months after he left in handcuffs, I got a letter that they had already sent him to the halfway house. But yet if I go find this guy and I stomp his guts loose, which I could if I wanted to, I would go to prison. Well, that's it's, a thing they, in they the United should name States. Your, they, I, I just, go ahead, wait, they should just name your governor Jim Injustice. That's all I have to say. Yeah. I like Jim, that. Jim, Justice is, uh, Jim Justice's head is so far up Trump's ass. If you look down Trump's mouth, you're going to see his eye. In the United States, the good people have this uh, general belief in the system that the system is as good as we are. And so, uh, you know, if the judge says so, then it must be true. Or if the media says so, it must be true. And that's something that we're really, it's heart, it's heartbreaking to come to grips with the fact that it isn't and that you have to not trust in the past. Well, when I was a state senator, I called for the impeachment of one of our su Supreme Court justices in West Virginia, and we ended up impeaching him, and he went to jail. Uh, but but basically, what happened was was that uh, you know they had a budget, and he ended up spending I mean hundreds of thousands, and other Supreme Court justices spent up to almost a million dollars each renovating their offices. You know, our tax dollars, seventeen hundred dollar throw pillows. That kind of garbage. I'll tell you, it's man, like a, you know, a full-time job just uh, trying to, trying to uh, constantly keep people honest, uh, keeping our judges well, and is, our leadership honest. It is, and I'll tell you this. When I was a state senator, you know, it was my speech that lit the match on the teacher strike. So the teacher strike that happened in West Virginia that spread to Oklahoma, to Los Angeles, and all these places, it was my speech that started that. And I'm going to tell you, I have never in my life seen more dirty, underhanded tactics that the Republicans in West Virginia use against our teachers. You know, Jim Justice, during the midterms, look, he pulled all of the Republicans and set them behind him because the teachers won their fight and they got a 5% raise. Jim Justice pulled all the Republicans behind him. And I said, I said, no, I said, the Republicans are done. The blue wave in West Virginia is going to make the one in Virginia look like a ripple in the water. But Jim Justice brings all the Republicans and they sit behind him. And he gives this speech and says, listen up, everybody. If you reelect these guys, these Republicans, I'm going to give you all another pay raise. And I'm like, you better don't do it, ladies and gentlemen. You know he's full of shit. Guess what? They, re they elected every damn one of them. And guess what they did? They come back and they said, okay, here's your 5% pay raise. But the only way you're going to get it is you got to agree to charter schools too. Boom. Once again, underhanded, lying-ass bastards is what all of them are. Okay. Let's uh, go to Izzy with the next question. 
Oh yeah, like I'm just I'm just enjoying this conversation. But what I wanted to bring up was, and I know like there are other countries have, you know, the very solution we're talking about, what, what, and the things that Richard has been addressing. Um, yeah, there have been countries in various places that have you know took and have made created solutions and stuff and gave their people better life. And what I want to zero in on is is specifically. Um, like uh, the French part of the the French government and and Canada and the French community over there because I have a friend there and a lot of these things that we've been that we've been discussing and what you know the solutions we've been buying or whatever the French have done that not not only have they done it but they've done it in such a quick quick way and and I'll I'll, I'll add this I'll add this Richard when it comes to say what you want about the French, but what they hate the most are liars and corrupt people. So that guy who did you wrong, he'd actually be locked up with child molesters. Either French community or um, prison or at least in the psych ward. And, you know, with UBI, when this, um, when uh, the pandemic start started, um, they, and they, they had to like put their people on lockdown. Three, three, two, two to three days later, they started giving their people a thousand dollars a month. That what Andrian was pushing for. Um, they gave every every single French French person a thousand dollars a month. Like I, I don't know if it's sixteen or eighteen over, and it was for every single one of them, no matter what their background was, rich, rich or poor. And and also like they would have, they do have like protests and stuff. Um, the thing about it is like um. The the government they they respond right away and it takes like it takes them like a week at most to actually you know enforce like you know laws and stuff and sign off bills and like you know whereas like our government takes like over a month or so and then they take breaks the government does barely takes breaks you know the French government barely takes breaks and um it's like if 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 you if you if they see like you're in need like they 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 will find a way, they will find an alternative. So it's like, let's say if, you know, if something comes up and things are like, uh, are like, they're, they're like, you still, it still takes a while for them, they will, to like, to like process, they will still find like some sort of alternative, some way. It's like, it's like, um, it's like when you mentioned like, you know, if you're hungry, you're going to eat, you know, what the French is like, okay, if, if we can't do this, then we're going to do this. We're going to find something. We're not going to just let you, um, we're not going to just let you. Uh, we're not going to just leave you hanging or whatever. You know, struggling. Like they, they, they. When they say like they look out for them, they mean it. So there's no need for like, um, like division or Black Lives Matter or suicide rates or drug overdose. I mean, even though they have those problems as well, it's like it's not as it's not as potent or or like very common or whatever. And corruption, shoot, it's like it. it let me. Yeah. Let, let me let me kind of jump in here real quick. You know, in the military, if Bravo Company, if Bravo Company has come up with a great way to do a certain task, and it's phenomenal, it's it it saves time, it saves materials. If Bravo Company doesn't tell Alpha Company and Charlie Company that, so that they can basically copy that and mirror that success, Bravo Company's in a world of shit. Because if you don't share your successes, then you are what we call a blue falcon and you need to go, okay? So what we need to have is leadership in this country that's willing to not always say, we're the best, we're the best, but rather what they're doing is the best. And you know what? We believe that we can implement that here on our soil. 
And that's what needs to happen. That's one thing that needs to happen. Our leadership should not be so proud that they're not willing to say, hey, look at what they're doing over in France. And it works. And you know what? We can do it over here. You know, you have the resources. Absolutely. And you know what? If you can't do it on the national level, if you just look at France, you could say, well, France, that's the size of this major city. Maybe that major city could implement what they're doing in France. And Richard, Richard, France is 50 years behind us. 50 years behind as far as like technology and things. And they're up there with China as far as organization and stuff. And look at us. It's like. But you see, that's the thing is you may be right, but it doesn't matter if they come up with a good idea. There's no reason why we shouldn't grasp onto that. Here's another problem too, is let's look at a bill. Let's say that you write a bill and it's an easy bill. It's a bill that says, look, I want to keep guns out of the hands of five-year-old kids. Okay. Sounds pretty easy, right? The problem that we have in Washington, D.C. is that bill right there should be all of two pages. But it ends up being a 20,000-page bill because that's what they do. It's a good idea, and then this person wants to get in there and add something to it, and this person wants to add something to it. And the next thing you know, it's a shitty bill, and if you pass it, you're also letting them do this over here. And that's what they do. We have a problem in this country. We have a problem with how legislation is is created, uh, and we have a problem where you've got people that absolutely will sell their souls to the lobbyists because they give two shits. They don't give. They care about more about that lobbyist than they care about their own constituents, and that's a problem that we have in this country. And we have got to address this before it destroys us. Uh, I would like to chime in. Um, okay, so uh, I have been listening to so many people talk on our show and um, people who shouldn't uh, they should have more platform but essentially they're going through the system and they are having problems such as like judges who are helping sex traffickers okay uh, so we had a gal on yesterday who was a uh, sex trafficked and she uh, was trying to get away from her abuser but she has a kid with him right and she can't do it. Um, but it's not just the judge that's a problem. It's, it's more than that, right? And so, like, I'm noticing we have corruption in our churches, our corporations, our police, our government, our banks, our restaurants. Everywhere. And, like, our medical. So, like, how do Everywhere. we dethrone these? How do we dethrone? Even in our communities, our families. Okay, here, here's the thing. You notice how, how important these uh, appointing of judges are all across the country. That's why. That's why. Because what they want to do is they want to make sure that there's judges all across this country so that if the next reign of power comes in, when they try to fix what's been going on, it's going to be a fight every single time. You know, that's absolutely taking place in this country. We need reform across the board. You know, right after George Floyd was murdered, literally like two or three days later, a judge in Florida had two people that were basically up on charges for the same crime. Their backgrounds were similar, but one was white, one was black. The white guy got two years. The black man got 26 years. You know, I mean, that alone says that that judge doesn't deserve to be able to wear a robe. But the problem is, is that's taking place. That is the kind of garbage that we see all across this country. And it's taking place. And I'm telling you, it's, 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 the, 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 the repercussions 
of what Donald Trump is doing to this country, to the courts, William Barr, what they're doing is going, when Donald Trump is gone, the fight is not over. The fight is just beginning because now it's going to be a fight in the courts to fix, to right the wrongs because they put so many people in power that are going to oppose anybody trying to fix these problems that we have. Our country is going to, it's going to take us a couple decades to get our heads out of our ass after this. I hate to say it, but I believe that's the way it's going to be. So, Jeremy, you're up. Uh, Mr. Ojeda, I remember when you were running, uh, there was a, a joint fundraiser. Uh, there was an Act Blue link. It was it, it split donations between you and Mike Royer. And I was so excited when I saw that because I, the two of you together, it's like a hurricane and a tornado. And uh, I was so glad that you guys had made that partnership. And uh, I'm just curious to know if there's anything on the, else in the future that you guys have planned to do together. Well, you know, I like Mike. Uh, let me tell you, you know, he's, uh, he's a Marine. Uh, and he was solid. You know, look, look, you know, do I want Amy McGrath to beat uh, uh, Mitch McConnell? Hell yeah, I do. But I'll be honest with you. I think that, you know, if the people of Kentucky would have had taken the time to check Mike out, a lot of them would have went yes. with Mike. You know, and I'll tell you this, too. This was one of the downsides when Amy McGrath come out. Uh, when she first announced, what did she say? Hey, guys, I'm like Donald Trump light. Bullshit. No, I, I wouldn't eat. Man, that was the worst thing in the world she could have said. But, you know, she was a prior candidate running for Congress, and she immediately got all of the support. But I will tell you that there's lots of folks out there that put their name on the dotted line to run for office that are absolutely solid and could be far better, but they don't get the mainstream media to give them any hope. Let me tell you, when I decided to run for the presidency, let me tell you something. If I would have made it to that first debate, if I would have made it to that first debate, I absolutely would have opened a lot of eyes. Because make no mistake about it, Mr. Beto O'Rourke, don't you dare come in here when Beto, and look, I'm going to say this, and I don't give a shit if you don't like what I say, but Beto O'Rourke was, when they asked him in the debate, what's the number one problem facing this country? What did he say? Climate change. Do you know that Beto O'Rourke takes more money from big energy than any member of Congress? And he's actually second, only second to uh, Ted Cruz in all of the people in Washington, D.C. in taking money from these big energy companies. He wouldn't do jack shit to fight climate change in this country. He would spend four years making excuses while he still continued to get that money. He's full of shit. Same thing goes, I don't like Carmala Harris and daggone Cory Booker because of their stance concerning Big Pharma. They take a lot of money from Big Pharma. Don't you dare tell me that you're going to fight the opioid epidemic when you take money from Big Pharma. If they would have let me, if I would have made it to that stage, I would have opened a lot of eyes. You know, Tulsi Gabbard, when she was on that stage and she, she did something that lit somebody up and she was the number one most uh, researched after that debate. And I'm going to tell you now, if I'd have had the opportunity to get there, I would have been there too. Jacqueline, did you have a question for Mr. Ojeda? Uh, I just wanted to add that, that um, you know, having pr before becoming Yang Gang and, you know, was very uh, solidly in the Bernie camp where I wrote up these articles on neoliberalism, I gave everybody a history lesson. And I just wanted to say that what Mr. Ojeda is talking about, what happened to him, and the way politics are run there 
It's not hyperbole. Um, when Bloody Mingo, the massacre at Matawan, the Battle of Blair Mountain happened, it was the largest insur armed insurrection on American soil since the Civil War. And, you know, this happened because miners were they, were, they were fed up with being paid in what's called script money that was only redeemable at the company store. And the miners all had to live in uh, cheap ramshackle housing that was owned by the mines, right? So they couldn't just pick up and leave if they didn't like their digs. They couldn't just, you know, feel free to leave their job. And one of the things that really stuck out with me is when I saw people that called themselves progressives in the Bernie camp championing the idea of resurrecting this same concept of script, paying people in script under a federal jobs guarantee program, I just about shit my pants. I thought, <laughs> oh my God, you know, where were these people? Have they not, these, these so superior smart guys that, that read Marx and Engels, where the hell were they when, when Howard Zinn's A People's History came out and, and the Battle of Blair Mountain and Bloody Mingo and the Massacre of Matawan was discussed. It was like the most pivotal moment in U.S. history. And they completely lost the plot, you know? So I just wanted to add that and just to say, Mr. Ojeda, you know, I, I don't have much power. I don't have much of a platform. But if there's anything I can do to, to help, you know, get your voice you know, amplified, I mean... Let me I, tell you. You know, what can yes. I do? I don't yes. have any money. I'm just a poor woman. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I don't, I don't need your money. I don't want your money. But I'm going to tell you, you know, I'm going to always be a voice. I'm going to fight until they freaking kill me. And like I said, they've tried once. But I'm going to tell you, you know, the Yang gang is a big crew. And I would tell you, I would really appreciate, because let me tell you something. I, let, I, I, I flew to New York and spent a week with Andrew Yang and his team. I consider Andrew Yang to be a, 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 a personal friend of mine. Uh, as a matter of fact, Andrew Yang is actually working on one, a blurb for my book. But I would love to, if you all could help me reach out to the Yang gang and get them to follow me on Twitter. Get them to follow me on my Facebook. Because I'm going to be a voice. I don't you give a it. shit where I go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight these people to the day I die. Because I can't ignore it. Yeah, like we'll I do said, that. We'll organize a, uh, a Twitter bomb for you, for sure. We'll organize the hashtag. Uh, on it. We'll on it, buddy. We'll do Thank that. you. Thank you. I, let um, me tell you something. I do live videos, after and show. I say what needs to be said, and if people don't like it, they can kiss my ass. That's what Hell I yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love this guy. I, yeah. I'm already following you just because guy. of that. Can we clone, like, about <laughs> 500 million of you? <laughs> Hey, you don't need that. You just need one. <laughs> Richard, right. what is your Twitter handle that you want us to uh, tweet out? Yeah, we'll do like Ojeda for UBI is the hashtag. How's that sound? Does anybody like that? Or is anybody have a better okay. idea? Ojeda for UBI, numeral four. Right. Four, I don't know. Or, 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 or airborne for UBI or something. Oh, or, yeah. Or, uh, uh, Ojeda, do you have any suggestions yourself for the hashtag? Well, I, I, you have to, I'm at Ojeda for America. That's my Twitter page. Okay. But I'll tell you right now, you guys could come up with UB, anything UBI-related. Let me tell you something. I support it wholeheartedly. Trickle friggin' up economics. Ojeda for let humanity. Let me just ask one question. Uh, right now, the kind of the going number, the Yang's updated because of the pandemic and the new state of the world, $2,000 a month is going. Would you be like? Would you be in favor of a $2,000 a month UBI? 
why not? Why yeah, not? Yeah, just Look, to make we're sure. gonna get, right. If, if we're going to give these assholes at the top <laughs> yeah. a trick question, then hell, $5,000 a month. It's, <laughs> people would spend it on the economy. I think good, it's bullshit. Good. It's not a trick question. I only dollars. ask because when I formulate the message, when I say, okay, let's all sign off on this, it's going to be like, hey, you know, uh, Major Ojeda supports a $2,000 plus a month UPI. Yeah, well, I, I mean, have, just I, I just wanted a clarification on the number. So, yeah. I, I do want to ask. Yeah, uh, I don't have a problem. It, I do want it, to it ask breaks my really, heart that they gave the people $1,200, and that's all they've given them. You know, $1,200. And the bad part about it is, is that they give them $1,200, but they don't stop things like, you know, your, your mortgage payments. I mean, let's you give people $1,200, that should be for food. Not to pay your electric and all that other shit. Right. There's a lot hey. of people who didn't get any, who who got nothing except that twelve hundred. Nothing. Who aren't getting. Uh, there was a lot of people that didn't. And there was a lot of people who didn't get the twelve hundred. There's a lot of people who didn't even get the twelve hundred. And what we have right now are morons in Congress, uh, in that cesspool known as Washington D.C., who are saying that oh, we can't just give poor people money. Um, because uh, it'll be it'll disincentivize them. You know what? Um, I'd like to disincentivize criminal negligence because if you're a parent and you try to starve your child into submission to your will, what do you think is going to happen to you? CPS is going to come right in your house. They'll kick down your door. Yeah. Take your kids, and you, they will haul you to jail. They will slap the silver bracelets on you. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. That's all yeah, I, absolutely, absolutely right. I, I, I don't understand. You know, you know, you look at somebody like Mitch McConnell, who has one job that pays one hundred and seventy-four thousand dollars a year, and he's become a most. He's worth twenty-some million dollars. Explain how that is. How is that? he's getting the free money and and you know you know like the people we have in congress are the laziest pieces of shit on the face of the earth and they have the nerve to tell people who are applying like jobs like crazy you know trying to sell whatever they can working their asses off just to make ends meet lazy just because they're getting a measly 600 that's nothing compared to what they got to the corporations it's just Co- total contradiction. They want to know who the lazy people are. They should look in a mirror because they haven't been doing their jobs. Oh, um, you're right. Spot on, Mr. Michelle Ojeda. Um, I want to ask about that. Actually, the uh, extra six hundred dollars uh, that was a part of the unemployment, which just expired, uh, I believe, a few days ago. Um, do you think that that should be extended as well? Or if we like, were yeah. able to adopt a universal basic income, do you think that should replace unemployment insurance? Well, first off, I think, you know, I, I, think, I think that they need to extend it right now because there's nothing in place. And you can't go from, from making that to nothing. And that's mm-hmm. where people are today. So they need to extend that. Uh, I would tell you that so, UBI does not touch social security the only thing that ubi does away with is welfare because if you're on welfare and you're making 650 dollars a month and i offer you a thousand dollars a month you should take the thousand dollars 
So right. we could do away with welfare, and then we ain't got nobody screaming. I'm and not, and not to mention all the bureaucracy and paperwork that you don't have to deal with when you're getting the UBI too. Part of the reason people don't want welfare, even though they, they think because it confuses the shit out of them, and it wastes their time, and it gets them frustrated. Yeah. I don't see how this can't yeah. be like – I assume when you said when, – when you talk about welfare, um, unemployment – not right now because of the way the system is built out, but in the long term, unemployment, that's a part of welfare, right? No. Bullshit. It's Don't bullshit. You pay into unemployment. Okay. It's, you know, it's, let me tell you something. We keep letting Mitch McConnell and them, they're, first and foremost, it should never be allowed to allow them to stick their friggin' hands in Social Security. It is not their personal bank account. If we raise the cap on Social Security, right now it's $124,000. If we raise the cap to $250,000, you pay into Social Security the first $250,000 you make, it would be there for our kids. If we removed it completely, and you know what? I'm not against that because the truth is, is if you make $50,000 a year, you're paying into Social Security with every dime that you make. But you know what? How about these people like Bezos and all those guys? If they had to pay into Social Security all the way with their $160 billion they make a year, what's wrong with that? It don't bother me at all. To me, that's money that absolutely could be here for everybody. And there's so much oh, more. Okay. And, and here, here's the irony of ironies. They, they want to spend money on like fighter jets and attack helicopters and all of this stuff. And what is there to defend when everyone's starving? It makes zero sense. It, yeah, hey, let me, let me tell you, that right there comes, but that right there, you got to understand, that's military contracting. We spend, if we cut our budget in half, we would still spend more than every single country out there combined. You know, I agree with you. It's about time for us to start prioritizing and saying, you know, instead of having a thousand more jets that we don't need, how about we do something for our people? So I... Yeah, I wanted to chime in with a couple things. Uh, so you were talking about your uh, wanting to get out there. So there's a site called thetrickleup.com. And essentially, it's like Netflix for Yang Gang members and true um, like news that comes from us as members. Uh, and we've already been, uh, I think we put our podcast on there or should have been. Uh, but like maybe we can help you get on there as well. Um, and I also wanted to mention that uh, we have the rent strike, rent strike movement. Dot, I want to say org, but it could be calm uh, to help people um, like not have to worry about rent. So these are things we should consider. Um, but really, what I wanted to get to was what if we got the people who dropped out, who did not get to be seen on, you know, the news, and instead of a debate, have, like, a think tank? Like, what if that was facilitated? Would you join something like that? You better believe it. Absolutely. Anything that I can do to help, you know, uh, to help this country. I, I'm, I'm, look, I spent 24 years in the military. I, to me, you know, it's my, it's my duty. You know, my, my oath did not end when I retired. I want to see this country better. And right now yeah. we're going down a bad path. So absolutely, I'd be happy to participate in anything. Yeah. So you're always welcome here, Mr. Yeah. Ojeda. And yeah, I was wondering if I could share some of the photos that you had, um, you know, shared with us in our Twitter. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we could talk a little bit about these beautiful photos. The, 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 this is what I'm talking about. And uh, and the thing is, is that like we need to consolidate 
our power to create like our own media. We get we get like a few voices in here and and Buckminster Fuller said, don't try to compete with the existing system. Create something so much better that it makes the old system obsolete. And I think this is what we're There you doing. go. Yeah. So here's our first photo, and this is uh, this is uh, Richard with uh, hey, Andrew. Hey, who's that handsome guy wearing a flag around his neck? Oh, it was, hey, really, hey. <laughs> it was, it was really awesome. It was really awesome because uh, Andrew reached out to me and said, hey, I want you to come to New York. I want you to kind of fire up my team. Uh, so I got to go to New York, and I spent about a week up there with him. And I'll tell you, man, I mean, he had an amazing, amazing team, hardworking individuals. Uh, and you know, it was awesome. You know, Andrew Yang is, uh, he's a down to earth guy. That's what's really cool. You know, when you meet him and stuff, I mean, Andrew Yang's the kind of guy that'll go shoot basketball with you. I mean, he's a good guy. You can tell he is. Yeah. Forget beer. You can have, you can play beer pong with him at a, at a party. Or, or you something. can have a boba. <laughs> he could be like a college And then have barbecue jerky legs on the grill and he'll like, you know, it'd be great. He's, shot. He, he's, he's a guile up. player. He's, he's he plays his guile. Yeah, he's, player too. he's got something for everybody. Like, everyone's like, I would like oh, to have Daniel, my cultural connection to Andrew. He's he's so cosmopolitan. Like, he personally connects yeah, everyone here in a different way. Yeah. He's the next photo Earth. we've got here is Ariel, our Ariel Bakshanda. Uh, in, in a uh, helicopter, is that right? Uh, no, that's a plane. But oh. next, I'll do a helicopter. But oh yeah. my god, it, are you taking flying lessons, Ariel? I I got I got some of that extra money, and I just wanted to do what I love. And like, if I mean, if I had the money for it, I would become a pilot. But yeah, you're soaring. <laughs> which, yeah, which then led us to <laughs> to have this photo exchanged. <laughs> yeah, that that right there is helo casting. Uh, you know, as a as a sapper in the military, that's just one of the ways uh, you know we can get to work. Uh, but that right there was down in Portland, Missouri. That's actually a picture from the best sapper competition. But uh, anybody who goes through sapper school, uh, anybody that gets stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, that's especially a combat engineer, uh, you're going to do this. It's, it's, I mean, it's an awesome it's an awesome way to work. I thought at first like that was like a screenshot of from like a Call of Duty game. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't pretty bad. No, that's, that's cool. I'm like, I'm like, so you, you jump <laughs> out. You jump out of the helicopter to where you're going. <laughs> well, that, what, what, I say, what it is is you actually have you're actually in in a big uh, 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 vest, uh, so you can float. But you 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 throw your rucksack out. It hits in the water. Then you jump out. Then you grab your rucksack and then you swim to the shore. How high how high up are you from there? Uh, only about maybe 20 feet, and it's into the water. That's it, believe me, if you if you land wrong and you you like you go in, you you have to you just exit out and kind of lean back because you don't want to bust. This right here is just a regular airborne operation of Fort Bragg, North Carolina, uh, Sicily drop zone. And you sp- said you spent one most pass of your, you said you spent most now? of your uh, career at Fort Bragg. Yeah, yeah, I was I was stationed at Fort Bragg uh, four different times. Uh, two times was five years each. Uh, yeah, I love Fort Bragg. It, it's a uh, you know it's it's just a great great place to be. This is a night drop at Fort Bragg. Uh, this was on Sicily drop zone. You know uh, you know exit the aircraft. You know, that's you know in the military you actually you train as you fight, and for the most part, if you're going to conduct an airborne operation in combat, it's going to be under the hours of darkness. So we do that quite often. This next picture was uh, me getting ready to jump. 
that guy's from Egypt. Uh, they call it's called a foreign jump. Uh, you you do a jump exchange. They get your set of wings and they give you their set of wings. So uh, yeah, it was a pretty cool operation. We actually had a Pakistani guy with us, and he actually exited the aircraft like a mile too early, and they had to send somebody to go find him. <laughs> and this right here is uh, air assault operations. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's just another way to work. Are you going up or down in this? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Why You're sliding both? down. You're sliding down. And, and let me tell you something. Every time you do this, no matter what, there's always going to be one person when they try to go out into their L, and that's the body position, they'll, they'll, they'll allow their head to go below their, their ass, and then they'll flip upside down. It's always hilarious because it's, it's scary as hell to be up that high and be upside down. You, yeah, you'll never see Mitch do something like this. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> he'd probably yeah. just like drop out of the helicopter. Or Trump, like a pancake. Now this right here, I, this was a complete honor. Uh, the Golden Knights are the greatest airborne parachuting operation on the planet, and I got a phone call and asked. This was after I retired, if I would be willing to drive to Virginia and jump with the Golden Knights. So I jumped in my vehicle and I took off and I went down there and I got the free fall. We jumped at thirteen thousand five hundred foot. And of course, you're, you're this guy with the cameras coming over, and I'm grabbing his feet. Uh, just a pretty cool operation, and a, and, and and truly an honor. That's if there was anything left to do on Earth, this would be it—the jumping from from an airplane. Oh, yeah, yeah anything case, left, right? Yeah, you, YOLO, if, right? <laughs> you should, everybody should at least try to exit an aircraft uh, at least once. This right here is nah, from the Chinook. This is this is walking off the tailgate uh, in a Chinook for a for a, for a Chinook jump. Uh, but wow. that's it, you know. As you can see, those are those are D bags flying in the oh, in the in the in the distance. Wow! But you can see yeah, what I have. Afraid of heights. I can't even look at that. <laughs> I, I, I feel like what? I have to I'm conquer gonna, all my fears. So if I'd rather I'm, eat well, pineapple pizza. I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm scared of heights too. Oh really? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say but that I was going to do it. How do you do it? Just, you're terrified. You just do it. You do it. This right here. That's my foot right there. You know, you just do it. You know, you, you if you allow your fear to stop you, I tell I tell that to soldiers. I say, don't allow your fear to ever stop you from being hua. Uh, and that's just the way that it is. You can be scared to jump out of a plane. I don't give a shit. Close your eyes. Exit the aircraft. But I need you on the ground, so get there. That's it. I'm pretty this sure is, uh, somebody would have to push me out. That that I might be the only well, way I can no get out, but I still want to sign up. Well, I, I was the jump master in the military, so... Uh -huh. Uh, if you got to the door, make no mistake about it. I'd help you if I had to. It would come in the form of a foot to the ass, but you get out the bird. If if Andrew Yang is down there, I might take take the, the job. <laughs> <laughs> I might take the risk. Like, hey, there go you go. Well, hey. that's true. You'd have to imagine, like, if somebody really needed you right this minute to do or this, or some vanilla right? ice cream. Or <laughs> this is another. This is another thing of helo casting. I would chicken out at the last second. I'd be the person standing at the door who was like, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and then I'd just, like, run away. Do uh, it. I look Go a little younger it. here. Yeah, this right here was in 2004. Uh, a suicide bomber had just busted a hole into the bridge with his ass, and we were required to get down there and, and pull security on this bridge uh, before we get a, a, a makeshift, uh, maybe Johnson, to, to go over top of the hole. Uh, but, you, yeah, that was, that was in 2004. Are you allowed oh. to say where you were? Uh, that was, it was called the Musaib Bridge. 
it was just south of Baghdad. Uh, you know, there, there was a time that, man, I mean, they were hitting our bridges. They were, they were hitting the bridges hard, but then they were also going after the military bridging too. Uh, and two, I was back in 2007, 2008, and I mean, we were losing more bridge. Uh, it was just, it was a tough time, real tough time. This picture here, uh, a suicide bomber in a, ba in a van actually jumped the, the curb and slammed into this Humvee. It, actually, a 19-year-old died uh, as, as everybody was putting him on the helicopter, but this was his vehicle after it got hit uh, with the suicide bomber who was in a van. It was, so, it's called a vehicular-borne improvised explosive device. With the uh, experience that you have in the military, how, how do you think uh, the military would, forces would respond if, uh, if uh, our current president tries to hold on to his power or somehow not leave or somehow call off an election? I, I, what, how would our military that, respond? Yeah, Punch him in the face. No, I, I, believe, I, I believe that our military is absolutely solid. Uh, you know, if you look at, listen to General Mattis, listen to General Petraeus, listen to people like that. You know, they understand the Constitution. Our president has never read the Constitution, but they understand the Constitution. Yeah. Believe me, if all else failed, they would escort him well, out of the building. The, the, this country is about we the people, not me the president. And that's what our military That's right. Is. That's right. And you know what? Let me tell you something. If you think for one second that General Mattis is not one of the most respected men on the planet, you're wrong. He is very well respected, and he's absolutely right. Now, this picture right here is of my 27-year-old daughter that I just now found out I have. Uh, we had a birthday party for her. She, uh, she grew up. She was poor. She was homeless at one time, and that really breaks my heart. But she never knew who her father was, and she went and she took Ancestry.com. And when she did it, I had two cousins that took Ancestry.com, so they were in that database. So when she got her paperwork back showing her where she had come from, it stated that she was second cousins with my cousins, Jamie, and my cousins, Chris. So Jamie called me and said, there's a girl that's looking for her father. And the truth is, is according to her paperwork, it's one of our cousins. So, of course, me and my cousin Jamie said, well, we're going to blame it on Damon, my other cousin. But then we hung up and we were laughing about it. And then I just started thinking about it. And then I went and I called him back and I said, did she give you any details? And he mentioned her mother's name. And I knew that me and her mother, before me and my wife ever got together, used to, you know, date around. Uh, so I contacted her that night and I messaged her and I said, can I have your phone number? So she sent me her phone number and I called her and I said, I think I may be your father. So uh, I asked her if I could come up and see her. And believe it or not, she only lives literally seven minutes from my house. So I went wow. up and I met her and yeah, I went up and I met her and we agreed to go take an exam and we went and took the test and I got the test back and she's mine and I, I couldn't be any happier. She's beautiful. She's intelligent. She put herself through college. Uh, you know, I mean, she's a fighter and she's, she, she's a winner and she's mine, you know, and, I, and I'm, 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 I'm proud of her. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. I'm so happy. Yeah. And a, and she, your daughter is gorgeous. Yeah, she is. She's amazing. Uh, I'm going to bring up the next photos now? here. At, oh. at first look, We're I good. thought that was Paget with some tattoos. It's like, okay. <laughs> now, if you look in that text, uh, there's a video, and it's you know it's it's a tough video for me, but it's the video that I that I did when, when are you there? 
Yep. We yep, just yep, put yep. you on spotlight for a minute. Okay. There's a video that's in that link, and that was me announcing to the world that I had a daughter. And it's tough. I mean, it's it's very emotional, but uh, you know, it's I, I I couldn't be any happier. You know, it, it hurts me that she had she struggled, uh, and it hurts me that I missed 27 years of her life. But make no mistake about it, I wasn't there the first 27, and I'll be there the rest. Yeah, I could tell when you shared that photo with us out of the blue that it, this was something that's weighing on you. Is it something recent that uh, happened? I, I just found out literally uh, literally two weeks ago. Yeah, so, yeah, in two weeks, it's it's going to take a little longer to process all those emotions and then uh, get, and, and, and get with reconnected this whole pan- properly. Right, but re- with this whole pandemic going on, like, what's what's happened? Like, is, is she safe with, like a career and stuff or like her family and things. And well, you know. well, believe it or not, uh, her fiance is a wonderful guy. He's a tattoo artist and he's a good tattoo artist. And they're actually moving to Bluefield, West Virginia, which is two hours away, but that's okay because we're moving to North Carolina and we're going to be closer to Bluefield than they are Logan. So it's still going to put us where we're at least a couple hours away from each other. But if they get to Bluefield and they're not happy with it, they know, we just bought 19 acres of land, and all of my family is building houses on it, and they're more than welcome. I told them, I said, I love nothing more than, you know, I want to have my family close to me at all times, and, uh, you know, she's my family. And, and I'm telling you, she's amazing. Uh, I just I couldn't be any happier. Couldn't be any happier. I just wish, you know, I wouldn't have missed 27 years of her life. I mean, I, I still ask the question, why didn't her mother ever reach out to me? But I'm not going to throw stones at her mother. I'm not going to. Uh, you know, it, it is what it is. But now we're connected. And, uh, you know, she comes up all the time. And, and we just love her. We just, my whole family just adores her. Well, better late than never. And, I can't uh, imagine. Yep. Yeah, you know. I can't imagine what that feels like. But I do have two children that I can't see or talk to during this pandemic. And it's really, it's very sad for me. So I... Oh, I, I, I absolutely, absolutely. You know, I got two kids in college, uh, you know, and, and, you know, me and my, you know, I spend a lot of time away from my family. Uh, I, can y'all hear me? Yes. Yes. And, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I spent years away from my family. That's why, that's why I have it. You know, I tell people all the time when I was, when I went to college, when I was in 23 years old, I never, I never skipped class. I never missed a day. And I told people, I said, they, they were like, let's go party. I'm like, no, I ain't doing it because I slept in the friggin' cold. I lived in Germany for two years and, and I jumped out of planes and I did all this other stuff, you know, and I was like, I risked a lot to go to college, so I'm not going to fail. So, you know, and then, and then after I become an officer and I got back in the army, I spent years, I mean, a year in Korea, I spent three years in combat. I was uh, I missed my kids in, 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 in when I was in Haiti for the earthquake. I mean, I spent so much time away from my wife and my kids, and I did it for this nation. And it kills me when I think all of that time away from my family for this, so that our country could go down the tubes because of incompetent leadership? No, no, that's why we have to fight. That's why we can't take a knee. We cannot allow this to continue on. Never walk past something that you know is wrong and fail to make comment. For if you do, you have accepted a new lower standard. I will not accept lower oh. standards. 
Won't do it. Well, well, didn't Martin Luther King say, like, the real traitors are the, not the ones who do the evil, but the ones who see it and do nothing about it? Absolutely. The enablers, yeah. I did a thing the other night, and I read it verbatim, and it was, you know, it's, it's, and everybody has heard it. You know, they came for the communists, but I was not a communist, so it didn't bother me. They came for the union, union members, but I wasn't in the union, so it didn't bother me. They came for the Jews, but I wasn't Jewish, so it didn't bother me. And then they came for me, and there was no one to protect me. There was no one to speak up for me because everybody was gone. Reality. Yeah, that's how division scary. works. And 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 yeah. they don't know, but like like the people are not going to take this sitting down. It's going to affect eventually that like like it's going to start with the regular rich if the super rich are not affected and those those super duper rich are not going to give a damn about the regular rich when that happens and it's just going to work it's going to require the upper middle class you know somebody asked earlier and i forget who it was what will it take you know for people to you know go full-on revolution i'll tell you what it's going to take it's going to take for the upper middle class to become poor and get a, a small taste of what many of us were oppressed under and forced to live with every day of our lives for decades. And when that happens, when the upper middle class starts to fall, that is when the shit will hit the fan. We're really right about there with these with these benefits not being uh you know you know continued a lot of people were making more money than this six hundred dollar boost anyway they were making more and they're even gonna lose that just because of the stubbornness and competence stupidity and evil of some of these people we have at the top and when yeah. that happens we're just gonna have to watch and see but we gotta be vigilant let, let me let me put something to let me tell you guys something that kind of puts it all in picture. Do you guys remember the coal miners in Harlan County, Kentucky, standing on the railroad tracks not too long ago? Yep. Remember that? Yep. Do you know why that was? Do you know how come that was, that took place? Because in places like West Virginia and places like Kentucky, right-to-work states, they did away with the thing called the wage bond. And the wage bond basically was if you were in extractions, you had to put so much money into a bank account so that if you had to file for bankruptcy and your people had worked for 15 days this month, there was enough money in that bank to pay their salaries for 15 days. And guess what they did? When right-to-work states become right-to-work, the first thing they do is they attack things like the wage bond, and they got rid of the wage bond, which oh, wow. basically says that a, that a company – a, a, a business, a corporation owner, all they have to do is file for bankruptcy and then they get away with everything. They don't have to pay your, and now they're not going to pay your retirements, everything. And it's taken place. And when it, but when one group gets to do it, then the others go, hey, I can do that too. You mean I can file for bankruptcy and I don't have to pay these people that have worked for me for the past 15 years, their retirement? Good to go. And let me tell you something. That's the kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that will eventually lead to a revolution in this country. Now, let me tell you something. There's two types of revolutions, a bloody one and one at the polls. We have to hope that the revolution takes place at the polls because if it ever does get to the point where it's a bloody revolution, this place is going to get ripped apart. Yeah. 
That's what I'm afraid of. Because now we've got more guns than people in this country. And, you know, a lot of people glamorize the revolution, but they don't understand that there's a lot of innocent and vulnerable people and weak people that suffer and die and, and get caught in the crossfire. Right. The people with the money can afford to defend themselves. Right. The people in this country that are the filthy rich, guess what? Most of them actually own land in other countries. They would literally get on a plane and fly and watch America burn. And then when we finally get our shit together, they'll be the first ones to come over and then try to take over. Pretty yeah. much. And uh, right. for the people like uh, me and Jacqueline and anybody else who's uh, in the system, any disruption to that is basically life-shattering for any sort of daily normalcy. Yep. And the real problem is once you have that uh, violent revolution, are you prepared to create something that's better? And right. we're that's, not even prepared yeah. right now. We're not, we're not yeah. at a stage where Everyone's people have... Destroyed. We can't uh, even get the resources. We could get it together. If we had the resources, everyone had money, we could create new structures. That's not a, a fear. We I have. Don't worry culture, about that. When we, we live get in the a UBI, culture that's that really says, all we need. Mind says, of scarcity. It's okay yeah. to throw away you know, poor 12 and 13-year-old homeless little girls and boys into forced prostitution and then stigmatize them and criminalize them for life so that they have to survive by literally begging and stealing, you know, just to just to survive begging mostly you know this is the kind of values we have so what we need to do as a society is say do we want a country where a 12 or a 13 year old and that's going based on the average age of entry into the uh industry of prostitution through trafficking okay the average age of entry is 12 13 years old right now we've got to ask ourselves do we want to live in a society that says that if you are born poor, especially if you're born poor and female, you know, that this is okay, that this is okay to be done to somebody else's daughter, somebody else's sister, somebody else's auntie. Do we want to live in a country where somebody born the wrong gender or the wrong social class has a greater chance of being trafficked by age 13 than they have of, of getting through high school and passing your SATs and getting accepted into Stanford. What we got to do is have an honest to God, hard look in the mirror and say, do we really feel that other people, that everybody in this country has human rights and that we really, we really give serious credence to the definition of those words because words have meaning, language matters. And people use words all the time. But they don't think about what the words mean. And we got to look at ourselves in the mirror and at each other and say, look, what kind of society do we want here? Do we want one with a social floor through which no one can fall? That everybody is guaranteed a bare minimum, you know, at least, you know, a basic level of human dignity and decency? Or do we want to continue down this slide into a Mad Max type of dystopian hellhole? And that's the tough questions that, you know, we've got to force people Amen. to have an honest conversation with themselves about. We wanted to thank um, uh, Mr. Ojeda for uh, coming to our show today on the short notice. Um, if We wanted to thank you especially for being yes. a role model in American politics. Uh, this is uh, Jeremy. Jeremy wanted to thank you for that, and we all agree with him. 
um, we want to go ahead and, and say goodbye to you now so that you get a chance oh. to have your break. Let, let me just say one last thing. It's like we can't continue this race to the bottom because it's disturbing. And also, like, we have to care. Like, Republicans talk about, like, the sanctity of life. Well, after the child is born, we have to care about that, too. And they're so quick to support the troops. But what about supporting them when they come back home as well? Yeah, like, don't leave them homeless and stuff. Yeah, Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Guys, let me tell you, this has been an honor. Uh, anytime I can do anything with the Yang gang, uh, Andrew Yang is a, is a close personal friend. I, I think the guy's phenomenal. I hope he runs again. Uh, and because I'll, 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 I'll fight for him every single day. Uh, but yeah, if you guys could help me with the Ojeda for America is, which is the at Ojeda for America on Twitter. And then also I got 80,000 followers on Facebook. Ask everybody to follow both of them. Uh, I'm trying to build this up, uh, because I use it. I use it to try to educate people. Actually, right now, what I'm in the middle of is I'm doing the constitution. And, you know, I, I just did the First Amendment the other day, and I'm not doing the Second Amendment next. I'm going to do the Fourth Amendment, illegal searches and seizures, because we got people being snatched off the streets. So uh, I think it should be pretty interesting. I'm just going to go ahead and go through it all. Because the truth is, is most people in America have never read the Constitution. Our president has never read the Constitution. Oh, yeah. And maybe we can start educating some yep. people. Well, thank Definitely. you all very much. I appreciate thank you. you. Oh, oh, thank you. It's been thank a pleasure. Also, thank you for coming. Also, uh, also, also, that, make sure uh, to like Twitter hashtag bomb for you. Yeah. Also, make also make sure to like follow us back and stuff because I'm like, I feel yeah, like we please, have another one of these conversations. You. you know. Yeah. Hey, send, send me a message. Uh, yeah. I, I, absolutely. I'll follow all of y'all back. All right. Hell yeah. Nice. Yep. All right, yep. guys. Hey. I'll add you to Thanks, the group uh, DMs. All right. I already did that. Uh, uh, Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank I you like so much for coming on. So this was our hundredth episode, guys, huh? Yeah, I'm so glad oh, I put him on short, yeah. such short notice I, because I was thinking to myself, I was like, "Well, did, did, didn't he have to do that thing with Mike Breuer?" And then we never like got back to him after that. After he said he couldn't come, yeah, I'm like happened, I, I, I'm wondering if he can come now. Like, why did we never get back to him? And I'm like, yeah, "Hey, can thinking. you come?" And he's just like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> I, I'd like to know what happened at Mike Breuer's. Um, Candidacy went for What happened? He had a progressive a, 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 Amy Amy McGrath just got too much of the oxygen in the room because of the mainstream media and because of all the out of state Democrats' money going into Kentucky. Yeah, yeah let's drink. Yeah. Then weren't there like fifteen people running for that uh, slot too? Let's drink Schlitz Light instead of Miller Full Flavor. Yeah, okay. That hey works. guys, I gotta get going, so I'm gonna say goodbye. Don't we do our sign offs here. It's been yeah. Really yeah let's sign off. Yeah, let's all take our. See you, Zach. Let's all take Zach, our sign off. So uh, goodbye, Zach. Give us your Twitter and thank you for thank you for coming. And uh, yeah, yeah. I think Zach already left. All right, cool. Uh, Ariel, <laughs> why don't you give okay. us your Twitter? So so yeah, you can follow me at at a r i e l s. That's Ariel's underscore a r m a d a. That's Armada uh, Revolutionary Thinking on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Revolutionary Thinking. And if you like, you know. Richard Richard Ojeda talks about airborne and like flying things. I am Ariel's underscore Ariel's on Instagram. That's A R I E L S underscore A E R I A L S on Instagram. So, thank you, Ariel. Uh, Faye, why don't you sign off? Doni, Faye Doni. There we go. <laughs> right, we got more than one. I know. Uh, 
my username on Twitter is at Tisdoni, and that's T-I-S-D-O-N-E-Y. Uh, and if you uh, are a part of any movement that you want to be talked about, come find me because I'm trying to collect as many as I can so we can work together. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Izzy, why don't you uh, give us your sign off here? Yeah, okay. So, you know, my Twitter handle, well, my comment handle for like even Instagram stuff is at Izzy Bolden, I-Z-Z-Y-B-O-L-D-E-N. And I also have, uh, I also have uh, like a YouTube channel, Izzy, Izzy Land YT, as well as a official, the official podcast for Izzy Land uh, Uncut. Uh, and I, I'm actually, um, I'm actually going to be uh, interviewing uh um, two good friends of mine. You're, you're probably familiar with them, you know, like Jose, like Jose and uh, and Militia. I'm gonna, like, we're just gonna like have a discussion about a lot of various things, and and like from the the corruption in our society and the cor- corruption with our people, in what uh, you know, and things like you know abuse and and other things. Maybe even throwing UBI and various things. Um, and also like if you if you wanna if you wanna come on, just just like DM me and we can like. Have a, have a discussion and stuff, and you know it, it should be fun. I try to make it as entertaining as possible, but yeah, I hope hopefully get. I hope to get like maybe Richard on or Angie Yang or like Jermaine Johnson or you know Mike Broy. Any any of them. It's like it's just, it's like I hope I hope one day that will happen. It's like, yeah, ask him. Yeah, <laughs> I think you could do it. it. Seems within your grasp. There, you know, we're all working together trying to spread this message. So I think ask them and they will probably do your show because, you know, yeah, it's, it's a legitimate platform. Um, so thanks, Izzy. Uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Let's go to Mia. Mia. Thank you. Yes. I am um, at Mia Songbird on Twitter. I do Humanity Hangs Tuesdays and Fridays. Um, and I have an autistic child who is special needs who I have to sign off and go get something to eat, like, right about now. I- Thanks for uh, yeah. bearing with us. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks you guys for have coming, a great Mia. night. Bye, Mia. We'll see you soon. Uh, Jacqueline. Um, on, on Twitter, at Jacqueline Homan. That's J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E-H-O-M-A-N. Thank you, Jacqueline. Feku. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Palestine Math, and also you can find me on Facebook at Yang Game Report. The Yang Game Report. Thank you, Fay. And I am at S H A E L R I L E Y on Twitter. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching the stream. Uh, thank you again, Richard Ojeda, for coming and for a fantastic 100th episode. Uh, we'll see you next time. Be good to each other. Stay safe. Let's uh, let's get basic income going. Goodbye. That was awesome. That was a great show, guys. Fantastic. One yeah. Episodes. Just kind of Especially snuck up on us. Yeah. Is the recording still on? Should we turn that off? Oh, yeah. Yeah.